Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore and I am excited. I heard you praying beforehand and and some of you chiming in. This is a day that the Lord has made and we have made a decision to be glad, to rejoice in it. Oh, how good it's that we can come together and have one agenda, one purpose, and that is to declare kingdom marriages throughout this nation, through the body of Christ, that God would reform us, restore us, and reconcile us to his ultimate intention in marriage. And so we're so glad that he's chosen us to play a small part of that. If this is your first time on the call, we welcome you. We thank you so much for sharing your valuable time. I think I heard earlier as, as folks were coming on, someone was saying that, you know, we get so much information, so many videos, so many texts, so many articles. You know, there's so there's so much being said, so much available all the time. You almost have to make the decision to tune it out so that you tuned us in tonight. I count it an honor, and I appreciate you so much for adding your faith and your availability, your heart to this effort. We believe that a divine reset is taking place in marriage. It's necessary, and in conjunction with the divine reset, so many have proclaimed, declared, and believed is happening in our nation. And so we just thank God again for being a part of it. If this is your first time on the call, uh, generally the format is we'll do some announcements, some quick announcements, then we'll pray, share some scriptures, and pray the scriptures that we have pray uh, that we have shared. So, without further ado, just a couple of announcements here. As many of you know, Jumping for Joy continues in Nashville, Tennessee. This weekend, we had been uh, delayed uh, because of COVID, and we have an opportunity. There is a conference that's going on in Nashville, which we are part of, and so Amy is going to go to Nashville. I will be on the call by Zoom, and there will be folks assembling in Nashville to declare the Word of God. And for those of you that don't know what we're doing, we're going to every U.S. state, the Capitol, the State House, on the steps, and we are seeding the ground of that state with the Word of God as it relates to kingdom marriage. Because if we don't seed the ground, Nothing will come up from the ground. And so we uh, have taken on the assignment of making sure every state is seated with the word of God in, in relationship to kingdom marriage. If you haven't been on the call before, I've done extensive uh, teaching on the, on the um, differences between kingdom marriage and a religious marriage. And so I encourage you to go to Spotify and you can pick up all of those uh, uh, previous uh, prayers and messages concerning the same. So again, if you are in Nashville, Tennessee, or around the area, and you want to join us, if you will text Amy, she will be on the ground there. And her text, her phone number is six seven eight seven five four 
888-646-0867. And we'll give it to you again at the end. We welcome you. You don't have to be married. On this call alone, we have married folks, unmarried folks, separated, divorced, widowed. And I would tell you, half of the people that come on this call are not married. And that just lets me know that the message that we are delivering, the message that God has given us relative to kingdom is beyond marriage. It's really about kingdom relationships, and marriage happens to be one of them and the apex of those human relationships on earth. And uh, let's see, what else do we need to talk about? Uh, For those of you who are following relationship game changers, it is happening. We are building the platform online so that we will be able to connect, converse, challenge, grow together as God uh, shows us how. And so I'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But basically, relationship game changers is about showing up in relationship exercising our freedom responsibly and influencing or impacting the outcomes of the relationships that God has assigned us and has assigned us to. And so we are looking so forward to that. We hear you. I've received uh, emails of those of you interested in relationship game changers. It is happening. Uh, I just talked to one of the uh, ladies that is working with me and us to make this happen, and we decided that we wanted it rolled out right, not rolled out fast. And so I'll be sending out an email to those of you who have expressed interest in relationship game changers, but we're going to continue to roll this out so that it for the long term. And so we appreciate your patience. If you are interested in becoming a relationship game changer, you can email me at Kim. Actually, we have our own email right now for relationship game changers. Let me give that one to you. Kim at relationshipgamechangers.com. Kim at relationshipgamechangers.com. So it's all of those words spelled out. Um, And so we're excited, and I hope you will join us in the journey because God God is calling us to be movers and shakers, to change things here on the earth, to reflect his kingdom, and we will not be able to do that unless we impact some relationships for the good and the glory of God. So, again, email me if that's an interest of yours, and uh, you can follow us and learn more about what that's going to look like and what it makes available to you. So I think, Amy, did, did I get all of the announcements? I think I got everything. Um, I don't see anything here. I'm going to assume that I got everything, and if I miss something, then... I'm sure Amy will let me know at the end of the call. Well, tonight I want to open in prayer, and then I've got some questions to ask you, and then I want to talk about freedom. And so um, let's do this. Let's open in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are present with them. And so we count you present tonight, God. We count you present as our Father as our God. And, Lord, we just bless you tonight. We honor you tonight. We thank you, Father God, that you chose us. And, Lord, even have, Lord, just 
enabled us to choose you, Father. We know that we have free will, but we can choose you because you first chose us. And so we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for opening our eyes. We thank you for unstopping our ears. And we thank you for giving us a hunger and a thirst for you. Lord, tonight we just thank you that you have, Lord, even encouraged us to seek you first, the kingdom of God and your righteousness, to be rightly aligned with you, God, and that all these other things that we think about and need will be added unto us according to your riches and glory. And so we look to you tonight, God. We look to you in every relationship that you have assigned us and that has been assigned to us, and we offer it to you afresh tonight, God. We say, open our eyes, God. Cause us to see. Remove the foreskin from our heart, God, that we might become authentic, God, genuine, full of grace and mercy, God. Lord, we bless you tonight, and we thank you for doing all these things and more because you're God, and we are your people, and you have delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your dear Son, who is our King our Savior, and our Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the questions I have for you, i got about 22, and I want to ask you these questions. Well, there's actually 23. But I want to ask you these questions, and I don't want you to necessarily uh, write them all down. You know, one of the things I believe that, that God is training me to do in an era where there's so much words and so much always being given out, so much talking, so many talking heads, and and some of these talking heads use scripture and their hearts are far from God. And then there's some people that are talking that are coming straight from the throne. And I'll tell you, so much information is coming at us that before we can think clearly about what is being presented to us, we are being presented with the next set of information to make decisions on, and some of these things have life implications. And so one of the things that, that I am learning to do and encourage you to do and practice tonight with me on this call, as I read these 23 questions, don't write them all down, but if one pings you, if one just grabs you, if one just, you know, oh, my gosh, then that's the one you need to write down because that's the one that God wants to work with you around. So I say all the time, it's not matter how much scripture you read. It's how much the scripture arrests you in what you read. Because what arrests you is what is able, what God is what God uses to help change your mind and to change you into his image. And so let's listen critically tonight and not try to write everything down, but those things that ping, which means for those of us that are kind of type A, that we got to get every note, dot every I, and cross every T, I know this is a temptation. But I'm asking you, just put your pen down, put your paper down, and I'll go slow enough, and I'll give you the numbers. So if something hits you, don't worry if you missed it. Just write the number down, and I'll go back and give it to you. But just the ones that ping to you. All right, here we go. Number one, and, and one other qualifier. I am asking these questions in relationship to marriage because this is a marriage reform prayer call. But please understand, if you are not married, you can apply these questions, well, 
nearly all of them, you can apply these questions to any relationship, to any relationship that matters to you, that's important to you, that's significant. I'm not talking about a casual relationship. I'm talking about another family, a parent-child relationship, uh, a friendship, a work relationship, a ministry relationship. You can apply many of these questions to those relationships. So where I use marriage or spouse, you just insert friendship or think about that person. If you're not married, get a person in mind and then answer these questions the ones that you can according to that relationship. All right, here we go. Number one, do you feel trapped in marriage? Number one, do you feel trapped in marriage? Number two, do you feel dutiful and obligated to marriage in your marriage? Do you feel dutiful and obligated? You are dutiful and obligated. Number three, do you feel like you can be yourself in your marriage? Number three, do you feel like you can be yourself in marriage? Number four, can you relax around your spouse? Number four, can you relax around your spouse? Number five, Do you hide your feelings? Do you hide your feelings? Do you hide hurt? Do you hide pain? Number six, do you walk on eggshells? Do you walk on eggshells, number six? Number seven, Do you enable irresponsibility? Do you enable irresponsibility? Number seven. Number eight. Do you feel that you are in your marriage alone? Number eight. Do you feel you are in your marriage alone? Number nine. Do you do all the thinking around the day, all the day-to-day things and responsibilities that take place in marriage, household chores, meals, uh, laundry, the kids, um, vacation. Do you do all the thinking, all the thinking? You can throw in planning. Do you do all the thinking and planning around what happens in your marriage and in your home? You're married, but do you do all the thinking and planning around what happens in your marriage and in your home. That's number nine. Number 10, do you experience emotional disconnection? You live together, you eat together, you do things together, but you are emotionally disconnected more than you're connected. That's number 10. Number 11, this might be... Specific, well, maybe not because we have so many cohabitating couples that are Christian. You might want to rethink that. But number 11 is, is sex a physical activity without emotional connection? You have sex, but there's no emotional connection. Number 11. Number 12. Do you find yourself tired and exhausted, drained, 
in your relationship with your spouse. That's number 12. Are you tired and exhausted? Number 13, are you believing God for a better relationship with your spouse? Are you believing God for a better relationship with your spouse? You've been praying for a better relationship. You're believing. That's number 13. Number 14, do you always feel defensive when confronted by your spouse? Do you feel defensive when confronted by your, your spouse? Do you feel you have to defend yourself? Does your spouse, spouse feel he has to, or she has to defend him or herself when they're confronted by you? That's number 14. Number 15, does your spouse blame you for his or her shortcomings, mistakes, or failures? Does your spouse blame you for his or her shortcomings, mistakes, or failures? Do you blame your spouse for them, for yours? Number 16, do you keep secrets? Do you and your spouse keep secrets from each other? Number 16. Number 17. Can you go to your spouse for emotional support? Are they emotionally available to you? That's number 17. You can also ask it, are you emotionally available to your spouse? Number 18. Do you trust your spouse? Do you, do you trust your spouse? Can your can your spouse trust you? Number 19, do you find yourself minimizing, lying, and embellishing? Do you find yourself minimizing, lying, and embellishing? And guys, this is the no judgment zone here. There is no judgment here. <laughs> we just want to get to the place called honesty because that's the only place that takes uh, that 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 facilitates change. Do finances stress your relationship? Number twenty. Do finances stress your relationship? Number twenty one. Do you avoid going home? Do you avoid going home? Number twenty two. Does your spouse help or hurt your self-esteem, your self-worth? Do they promote it or do they demote it? Now, we've got a couple more. Do you find yourself irritable and angry with your spouse for no real reason? You just have an, an irritation with your spouse. Number 24, recurring arguments. Do you argue about the same thing on different days? Recurring arguments, the same argument on a different day. And then number 25, my last question, are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? 
The reason why I asked all is going to let me let me do this before I move on. Did anyone want any number repeated? If you will star six, then I will repeat the question to you. It's important to me that you have the information you need. And I will tell you why is this, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. The key word is now. So the only work that God is doing in your life and in your marriage is right now. And in order for God to work in your relationship right now, he needs faith and he needs honesty. And so these questions are an opportunity to be honest, to come out of hiding so that God can make changes and intervene in your life so that you move beyond where, he, where you are, and he does that now. This is a now moment. Some people say, well, I just need to go and think about it. And you will go and think about it. But when something, when a question is asked in the now, it begs an answer in the now. And so even if you feel like, oh, I'm not really sure, nine times out of ten that's going to be uh, um, going to be a yes. And Amy's telling me I asked you not to write down, not to write things down um, so people didn't write the numbers. I'm sorry, guys. I guess what I meant to say is just remember the numbers. But I am sure that you got the gist of the questions that impacted you. I hope you did. And um, Kim, I will, can, I, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, can you repeat three and four? Three and four, yes. Number three is, do you feel like you can be yourself in your marriage? Number four is, can you relax with your spouse? Can you relax with your spouse? Do you feel like you can be yourself? They're somewhat related questions. And what was 11? 11 is, is sex a physical activity but no emotional connection? All right. Thank you. So if you, if you, um, if you answered yes to, <laughs> if you answered yes to one of these questions, God is talking to you. God wants to set you free. And the reason why I say that is because everything Jesus came to do was to set us free. This is what he says. He saved us in order to set us free. That's Galatians. He set, God saved us in order to set us free. God saved us. Let me find that scripture. Gosh, it just comes to mind. And the reason why that's so important is because so many people stop at just being saved. <laughs> and I'm saved, but they don't get set free. And so they miss out on so much. And here's the deal. Everything in life is based on relationships. Every, um, literally everything in life is based on relationships. And so when we think about it, when we think about it, just think about this. Everything begins with a relationship. Everything ends with a relationship. Everything, thank you, Amy. I got it. Thank you. 
that she's telling me it's a Galatians 5.1. I'm, I'm going to go back to that, but hang with me here for a second. Everything in life is based on relationship. Everything begins with a relationship. Everything ends with a relationship. Everything we are is based on a relationship. Everything we do involves a relationship. Everything we have involves a relationship. Everything we don't have involves a relationship. Every problem involves a relationship for a person, and every solution involves a relationship. Relationships are everywhere and in everything. They're inescapable, unavoidable, and how we manage them determines the quality of our life. And there are really only three relationships. There are only three relationships um, that we'll ever be concerned with, and that is our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with others. And if you're married, then that very next relationship after God yourself is your spouse. But even from there, our children and all of those that God has given us spheres of influence. So our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with others. And that's all we're ever dealing with. That's all we're ever being asked about are our relationships. What is the health of your relationships? It's so critical. It is so critical um, that we understand that and that, as I said, I think last week, we live in relationship, but we work in hierarchy. And one of the challenges in marriage is that we have learned to live in the hierarchy, and then we try to work together in relationship. It's backwards. It's out of order. And that's why it doesn't work. God created relationship first, and then he assigned man work, man and woman work. Go back to Genesis. He made us in his image after he made everything else, but he made mankind with the capacity and the ability to fellowship with him, to relate with him, to be able to respond to him. And then he sent man and gave him a task, man and woman a task to do together. And up until the fall of man, Adam and Eve operated first in relationship with one another, and then they set about the work that God has given them to do. But today, we live so many couples. Oh, my God. It's an it's a indication of a religious system. They live in hierarchy, and they try and work in relationship. It is much easier to go from relationship to assume a hierarchy than it is to stand out in hierarchy and then now drop down to relationship. Jesus and the Father proved this to us because in John, the Bible says Jesus was with God. Jesus was one God. He was the Word. They were together before the foundation of the world. They were fellowshipping. They weren't working. And then when it was time to work, Jesus came to earth, humbled himself, came up under his Father, and took on the form, excuse me, of a servant to accomplish redemption. And the Bible says, for the joy that was set before us, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And now if you go to Ephesians, Jesus is again sitting in a relationship capacity with the Father. The Bible says in Ephesians, he's sitting at the right hand of God. So we go from in the beginning at the right hand in fellowship, 
And then we come into a hierarchy. Jesus comes to earth to accomplish redemption. Once redemption is accomplished, Jesus dies, uh, is buried, raised from the dead, and now is ascended to the Father. He's back and functioning in a relational capacity with the Father. We cannot develop the relationship, the intimacy, and what God has for us living in hierarchy in marriage and in our churches. It must flow out of relationship. I say it all the time. If any of you see Amy and I together and we're not working, it is a relationship. We are communicating. We are connecting as two human beings in need of God who is a kingdom citizen. She has a mind, will, and emotions, has all the rights, responsibilities of every other kingdom citizen. Now, when we go to Tennessee, even though I'm not there, we'll come into a hierarchy, and then what will happen is she will carry out in, in a leadership capacity the will that's come to the Father through me. And when she gets back home, we will assume relationship. So hierarchy is needful only if you're trying to get something done. But if you're trying to be something with each other, you need all of the relational uh, equipment and availability and capacity and tools and connecting skills that are available to you. It is much easier to move into hierarchy when there is a bona fide relationship. Where there is no relationship, hierarchy and marriage becomes a duty. It becomes an obligation. You and I have heard it. Women will say, well, let me, let me, let me uh, run that by my husband and make sure, you know, he's okay with it. I remember my mother saying to me one time, every time I ask you to do something or the family's going to do something, it's like, she said, you say it's up to Anthony. She said, how come you can't say sometimes, Mom, I really would like to do that. Let me see if there's any conflict or if Anthony can't keep the kids so the girls can go hang out. Like, wow, that's a novel idea. But I didn't learn that until it was too late because I was busy living in hierarchy because I thought that that was the will and plan of God for my life and that my whole entire existence was around supporting my husband. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that I am to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And that as I love God first, I will love my spouse best. And so part of the change that needs to happen, the reform in marriage that needs to happen for freedom's sake is that we need to begin to look at, discuss, converse, and interact with each other in relationship of two people, fully functioning units that are both kingdom citizens, if you're, if you're both Christians, who have all the rights, responsibilities, all the authority, privileges, and power of kingdom citizens. Why? Because as a kingdom citizen, you are a speaking spirit first, and you are a human being second who happens to be male or female, and fourthly, you are married. So we have to find some connection around the most of what we are, which is spirit, and find our commonalities as human beings, and then when it's time to go to work, we can create the division of labor that works for our marriage. 
Oh, my gosh. If you get what I'm saying, it will set you free. Those of you who are not married, I hope that it just reconstructs. It's a paradigm shift for you. And the reason why I say that is this, that Jesus came to set us free. Let me read you some scriptures about freedom. Amy pulled up the one. Amy, what verse is that that you gave me? There is a translation that says, for Christ, uh, he saved us in order to set us free or to deliver us. And I think it's Galatians. It may just be a different translation. I'm not sure which one you sent me, but this one says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, my gosh. Do you even see that? It's for freedom. (laughs) Understand that. Let's, Let's break it down. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. He didn't set us free to, um, he didn't set us free to become slaves to someone. He didn't set us free so that we could become in bondage to something, to some religious order, some religious mindset that is self-serving and God-imitating. He set us free for freedom's sake, because God understands, unless you are free, that you are not going to be able to show up, exercise your freedom responsibly, and impact the people that he's given you to influence. You must be free. And where there's no freedom in relationships, there's bondage. That's why I ask you all of those questions. And then it goes on to say, stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened or brought again into the yoke of slavery. So God saves us in order to deliver us. That was a new uh, international version. God saves us in order to deliver us. And I know there's a translation that uses that particular verbiage. And that verbiage is important to me because so many of us stop at being saved and think, you know, we just go on living our lives because we receive Christ, and we've got fire insurance, he saved us that we could enter into a kingdom of freedom and authority and a power that we could wield on earth his, his, his authority and his presence as it is in heaven. The earth was intended to reflect heaven. Everything in heaven, there is a corollary on earth. And the reason being As we learn and watch God govern the heavens, we were to learn and govern the earth and occupy until he comes. And that's what God is calling us back to right now. So let me just read a few scriptures about freedom, and then I'll pray. Because God wants you free in marriage so that you don't have to go find your freedom by stepping outside of marriage. And so that's what kingdom marriage is about. That's what becoming a relationship game changer is about. It's about becoming free because only free people can set people free. Someone in bondage cannot set you free. The religious cannot set you free. A religious marriage cannot set a kingdom marriage free. You must be free to set other people free. And a lot of times in our marriage, We're not free. We have great confessions. We know the word of truth. We proclaim it. But at the end of the day, we're tired, exhausted, bored, unhappy, don't feel like we can be ourselves in the relationship. 
feel like we do all the thinking for everything that has to take place, or you feel like you walk on eggshells. Really? That's the kingdom? You've got to be kidding me. So listen to these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So wherever the Spirit is, there is freedom. It doesn't say wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there might be freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord, there could be freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord, mm, yep, possibly there might be freedom. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, if the Lord has you in an open field in the middle of your enemy, and that's where the Lord is with you, that is the freest place you can be versus being in a cave where God doesn't want you to be, hiding from your enemy, and the Lord is not with you, that is not a safe place. Oh, my gosh, change our thinking, God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So is the Spirit of the Lord in your marriage? And if so, then what does freedom look like in your marriage? The beautiful thing about people who really have uh, freedom that has come from God is their greatest desire is to see you free. The last thing they want to do, the last thing a relationship game changer wants to do is to manipulate and control outcomes because they understand, first of all, that is stealing. And number two, they understand that if they use a manipulative and controlling spirit, they are controlled by the spirit that they're using, which means they are not free. So let me give you another scripture. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Are you free with God? Are you free with God? Can you be yourself with God? Can you show up with God without defending yourself, justifying yourself, agreeing with his truth concerning you, no matter how pleasant or how altering and correcting? Psalm 119.45, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. So in the seeking of God's truth, in the seeking of his precepts, we get the grace to walk in freedom. We have the grace to walk in freedom. And I always like to interject this because I know there are always, in, when you talk about marriage, there is abuse. There are people that are being abused in marriage. That's not God's desire and not his will. And when you understand the truth of God's word and that you don't have to live in that, then you can use your freedom Obtain the wisdom of God to know how to exit that. And I understand it's not always easy. It really isn't. But once you make a decision, God can add the support you need. And until there's a decision, there is no need for resources or support. And so oftentimes when we are in these difficult situations, God is waiting for us to make a decision So that he says, as you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Galatians 5.13, 
it says, uh, uh, oh, what did I say here? Uh, oh, that we will, um, Galatians 5.13, that we will use our freedom not to indulge ourselves. I've, I've slaughtered the scripture. Let me not read it there. Let me, hold on one second. Let me get get the right scripture. I'm sorry. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to read, um, oh, here we go. It says this, Galatians 5.13, for brethren, you have been called to freedom. Only do not use freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but love, by, but by love serve one another. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. So what Paul is saying is you are called to freedom. Just don't use it to serve your flesh and that which is contrary to God's will and desire for you. It says this in, uh, let's see, Romans 6.22, but now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit that you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. In other words, God sets us free and that freedom leads to holiness. So true freedom to God, from God it leads you to want to be right with God, to want to speak in a manner that's becoming. It leads you to want to refrain from gossiping and, and, and all of those things that just diminish your credibility as a Christian. John eight thirty two. for if you embrace truth, it will release more freedom in your life. I like that. The more truth you embrace, the more freedom it releases to you. So if you find that you're not free in a relationship, then there is a truth that you need to embrace so that freedom might be released to you in that area. Let me say that again. If you find yourself not free in a relationship, there is a truth that God would have you to embrace that it would release more freedom to you in that relationship and in your life. 1 Peter 2.16, live as free men, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as a servant to God. In other words, choose God. In other words, seek the kingdom. In other words, pursue becoming just the, the best kingdom citizen that you can become. And then 1 Corinthians 6.12, just a couple, 1 Corinthians 6.12, everything is permissible for me. That sounds like a free man. This is Paul. Everything is permissible for me. But everything is not beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. That is one of the most powerful statements coming from a man who is free and acknowledges he can do anything, but everything is not beneficial. And so because he doesn't want to be mastered or brought into bondage and brought into bondage, there's some things he will not choose to do. 
Oh, my gosh. It just changes the way we talk about our faith. It, cha- it changes it from, well, I don't smoke because I'm a Christian. Well, the truth is you can smoke if you want to. No, the truth is, you know what? I choose not to smoke because I choose not to fill my lungs with, with something that can hurt me or kill me. I'd rather fill my lungs with the breath of God. It's choice. And one of the reasons that your spouse, one of the reasons that so many in the world struggle with our Christianity, because we haven't preached freedom with responsibility, we've preached rules and religion, and nobody wants it, not even Christians. We have to be free and trust God with the outcome. God was so committed to your freedom as a husband or wife, as a kingdom citizen, as a created human being, this is how this is this this is my this is this is mind blowing. Just check this out, and then we're going to close in prayer. Just imagine this: God created man, made everything for him in Eden, then put the tree of life in the middle of the garden. But because he valued man's freedom so much. He wanted to give man the opportunity not to choose him. And so he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden as well. Now, if God wanted a robot, he would not have given us a choice. The Bible says God created evil. You know why he created evil, I believe? I believe God created evil because he needed an alternative to his goodness. Because if there were no alternative to his goodness, you and I would be a slave. But because he values our freedom so much, because he values his own. And because he values freedom so much, he said, you know what? We're going to put an alternative in the garden. So people who don't, are not interested, do not desire my goodness, can have the goodness of the world the good and evil that's present in the world, and then they can decide for themselves. So when we come back in the kingdom, we shouldn't be struggling with good and evil. We, our whole heart, mind, and focus is eating from the tree of life, becoming kingdom citizens, and speaking from an eternal posture and not a temporary circumstance. And that is true in marriage, and that is the mind shift that has to take place in marriage. You live in relationship with one another as free, willing, and choosing human beings who have the right not to choose each other in any given circumstance, day, time, of the week. But when it's time to go to work for the kingdom, then you form a hierarchy because in a hierarchy, you are able to get more done together than you are alone. So hierarchy is for the purpose of producing something greater than either one of you could have produced on your own. God wants us to work through hierarchy and live in relationship. And when we do, we will have an opportunity to experience more freedom than we ever imagined in the relationships that matter most to us, and that's what Game Changers is about. Becoming a relationship game changer is experiencing the freedom of God so that you're able to show up 
exercise that freedom responsibly and influence the outcomes of the people and the in the and the assignments that uh, the people in the assignments that God has given you. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. We thank you that you have called us to freedom, and you have made in no such uncertain terms that you have set us free for freedom's sake and that we should not allow ourselves to be brought back into bondage. Father, tonight I condemn religious marriage. I condemn marriage, the model of marriage that is based on hierarchy and not relationships. You have called us to live in relationship with you and each other. Everything is about connecting and relating to you and and ourselves and each other. And, Lord, that you have, Lord, called for hierarchy to accomplish in this earth what you have accomplished in the heavens. So, Father, we thank you that you are training husbands and wives now how to live and work with you in the age to come. We thank you that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, God, and all that we learn as relationship game changers, God, that are based on eternal principles and eternal values and and freedom and authority and power and love, God, Lord, will be useful even in the age to come. We thank you today, God. We bless you. We honor you. We magnify your name. Lord, I declare now, God, that you have released the spirit of hunger in husbands and wives' heart, a hunger for freedom, God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you would increase their thirst for freedom, God. Lord, that they would begin to, Lord, become uncomfortable, God, by the constraints and the restraints of religion, God. Lord, we break the bands of wickedness, God, that have served to, Lord, enslave husbands and wives, God. Lord, we bless you and we honor you tonight, God. We declare freedom in Jesus' name. We say, kingdom come, your will be done in the hearts of husbands and wives. Lord, you said your kingdom is righteousness, Lord, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And, Lord, we expect and proclaim that righteousness, joy, and peace is erupting in the hearts of husbands and wives that embrace this truth tonight, O God. Lord, I pray and I thank you that the kingdom of God is on the inside of us, Lord, and that husbands and wives will no longer look to others, but they will look to you, O God. Lord, that they would depend on you. They would rely on you, God, that you would open up their eyes, lift the scales, and, Lord, unstop their ears, God. And, Lord, give them a wise and understanding heart, God. Lord, you said your sheep hear your voice, God. So I declare everyone on this line and that will hear by replay, God, would hear your voice that is called a sheep by your name, God. Lord, I declare in Jesus' name that this nation is bursting forth, God, with husbands and wives that know their God, that are strong and doing exploits, God, because they live and love in relationship and they work and accomplish your will through hierarchy, God. We thank you and we praise you, God, that you have custom assignments, God, that you're handing out new assignments to husbands and wives as they come into divine order, God. Lord, I thank you for the divine reset that is happening, God. I thank you, Father God, that those that you have called to be relationship game changers, God, Lord, would just commit themselves to a journey, God. Lord, and I bless you and I thank you that you grace them, release them, and empower them, God, Lord, to implement your word in their lives, God. Lord, we bless you today, God. We thank you, Lord. And it's Pentecost is upon us, God. And you will pour out your spirit again, God. Move us from shallow, God, Christians, God, who are clean on the outside, God, but filthy on the inside. 
Lord, change us, clean us up on the inside, God, even as we cooperate with you, oh God. Lord, I thank you that you would pour out your spirit afresh, God. Lord, that you would fill us with new wine, God. Change the wineskins tonight, God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. I just see it falling, God. Your spirit falling and descending upon your people like never before, God. Harness us, God, and carry us, God, to your glory, Father. We bless you and we thank you tonight, God. We thank you that as kingdom people, we speak truth, God. Lord, we're not partisan, God, but we speak truth, God. Lord, we lay claim to eternal truth, God, and we say your will be done in our lives. Your will be done in our lives. Your will be done in our lives. Now, God, join the races again, O God. And join the genders again, O God, that we may be one people of one blood, of one mind, God, of one circumcision, God. Lord, we just thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and the glory, and we bless you. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amy, do you want to jump in here if I missed anything? You'll need to star six. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You did not miss a thing. Just all taking right. that all in. All because right. we got it, a lot? it is for freedom. It, it is for freedom. If we can just take that in, it is for freedom that Christ yes. set us free. It is yes. for freedom. You know, you know, Amy, it's not a whole, it, it, there, it is a wholesale freedom. It was finished. Uh, when Jesus said it was finished, we are whole and free completely in him. And yet there is a progressive or a sanctification in which we are becoming free. We're, we're, we're coming into the experience of that freedom as we surrender different areas of our lives. So in some areas, we might have complete freedom. In other areas, we might, you know, need deliverance. And so it is a progressive thing. And the thing is, it's not whether you have it all and you got it all together. None of us do. The question is, and I love what my kids said one time. I mean, it angered me when they said it, but, you know, it's really true and indicative of what I'm saying here tonight. And, and they were young. They were, I mean, I don't know, they were t- uh, teenagers and, I don't know, maybe 15 and 8, something like that. But And I don't know which one said it to me, said, but, it might probably was Taylor, but she said to me, she said, you know, Mommy, uh, Jordy and I's responsibility is to deliver you and Dad one bond, deliver you and Dad from one bond to change. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids know when we're in bondage. You can't fake it around your kids. And so I just bless God. I just think so much. Um I just think it's just so awesome that uh, I just think it's just so awesome what God is doing here. I bless you with freedom. I want you to be free so, so bad. And those of us that have tasted freedom, I tell you, that's what you want for people. You want freedom. You don't want people to do it your way. You don't want to make many needs. You don't want a fan club. You just want people to be free for God's sake. All right, Amy, I'm finished. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. I mean, in in the areas of my life where I don't see fruit of freedom, it's absolutely because I'm deceived somewhere, not not believing a truth. So where that truth hasn't taken root, I don't have fruit of freedom. (laughs) 
So what you right. said makes makes complete sense. You know, where where I'm deceived, I'm not experiencing freedom only because I haven't chosen the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm choosing a lie and therefore death versus choosing life and liberty and, you know, Christ's freedom. <laughs> not that you know where you're not free, right? Like you said, it is progressive, but no, it is. you haven't it missed is. anything. It's, it's a lot to take in, but it, it's so true if we can just continue to receive you it. Know, it's interesting. There was a, a lady that told me one time, she said, you know, my husband's changed. He's just really different and, you know, behaving differently. And I said, well, how long has it been? And she said, well, it's been about a month. And so I said, okay, that's good. That's good. I said, but what I want you to just be mindful of is that there are first fruits and then there's the annual fruits. And by that I mean, when someone does something for the first time, the first few weeks, even a month, it's not rooted yet. And so, yes, pray, encourage, affirm, but understand that it takes, you know, even with fruits, you know, you'll have roots initially, but that thing isn't firmly rooted and capable of reproducing on its own until that root structure of that new behavior solidifies. And that's why so many people have this, this breakthrough, and then all of a sudden, you know, six months, a year later, they're back where they were before because this thing hasn't taken root in them. And so while that process is good, and that's true for all of us, when we first do something, when we first get the revelation, when we first start implementing it, there's no root system yet. Jesus talks about that when he talks about the different kinds of soils and how one of them it did not have a root within itself. And what that means, when something doesn't have a root within itself, that means it's dependent on something external for it to do it again. But when something has a root within itself, it is capable of reproducing on its own. And that's the kind of fruit we want, the fruit that remains because it reproduces on its own. I had to pick up my pen and write that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. We want to pray for rooted fruit. Rooted fruit reproduces on its own. And so often, even in the Christian life, people have these amazing salvation experiences, but there's still no root system. There's still no root system. And so we have to become rooted in order to continuously reproduce without effort. And that's what we want. Exercise yourself to godliness. Why? Because it's not that God is so much about this exercise, but what he is about is that he wants godliness to exercise you. And when you have a root system, that which you're rooted in will begin to exercise you. And so often Christians don't, aren't rooted in the thing that they're proclaiming, and as a result of that, they are dependent on external words external support, external water, external resources, because there's no root within themselves. And so you go from place to place to place. Why? Because you're dependent on external water because there's no root or watering system that's active in yourself. So the Bible says that he will be in you a well of water springing up to eternal life that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Well, what do roots need? They need water. 
And so that root system has to take place in us. And I'll tell you, when you begin to root, when that root system begins to take place in you, you will find that um, there is a, 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 um, a satisfaction uh, uh, that, that you're not dependent on anyone, but you need everyone, but not that you need them, you want them, you choose for them, uh, because you want to be a blessing to them and to be in their life and to serve them. It's a different mentality. And if we could develop that in our, in our most precious relationships, oh, my gosh, the implications are amazing. All right, Amy, I better be quiet because we're at 10 o'clock, <laughs> and I can go on and, you know, just keep talking, and I, I want to be respectful of people's time. We love you guys so much and appreciate your faithfulness on the call. If you are going to be in Nashville or around Nashville um, this, uh, this weekend, please join Amy. Her number is 678-754-0867. If you're not going to be there and you want to join me on Zoom, and we will be there together, love to have you join me on Zoom. I will be present. Amy will be on the ground with some folks. But if you want to join me on Zoom, you can just email me um, or text me. Uh, my number is 770-318-5963 and say, hey, include me with Zoom, and I will get you the meeting information where as soon as I get the time and all of that uh, with Amy and the people in Nashville. Well, if you want to hear this call again, you can do one of two things. The easiest way is to download the app called Spotify, and then uh, in the search bar, type Marriage Reform with Kim Moore, and this call will be number 101. This call will be 101, the 101st call that we have had on this line. And then um, the other way that you can replay this would be to dial 605-475-4980. And the uh, access code is 341-000-POUND. And the reference code, again, is 101-POUND. Well, we love you guys. We bless you. Stay tuned. If you're interested in relationship game changers, you can text me, email me at Kim at relationshipgamechangers.com, and we will keep you posted and in the loop. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to hear the testimony of the relationships that have changed because you're in them. And so we bless you. We love you. And we will see you on the call next week, God willing. Good night. Thank you.